I'm Stefan Siddig, and welcome to American Theatre Artists Online, where we talk with leading contemporary figures in American theatre. If you've been enjoying the American Theatre Artists Online podcast, I urge you to consider donating to help the artists who produce the theatre that we all love so much. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, Many performers, designers, directors, choreographers, stage crew, and theater administration staff are either without a job or in peril of losing their jobs. The Actors Fund provides assistance to artists to cover basic living expenses, such as food, essential medications, utilities, and more. If you love and enjoy theater, please consider donating to the Actors Fund today. Just go to actorsfund.org and press donate. My guest today is J. Robert Spencer, who is best known as Broadway's original Nick Massey in the Tony Award and Grammy Award winning show, Jersey Boys, with additional credits as an independent film, director, producer, writer, and singer. He was also the original Dan Goodman in the critically acclaimed and Pulitzer Prize winning Broadway musical, Next to Normal for which he earned a Tony Award nomination for Best Performance by a Leading Actor in a Musical. Since 2011, Jay Robert has performed in over 700 concerts all over the world with his singing group, The Midtown Men, four original stars from Broadway's Jersey Boys, touring all over the United States and internationally in Italy, Canada, Mexico City, and Beijing. Would one of you kids help me out and bring me some water? Thank you. Hi, Jay Robert Spencer. How are you? Hey, good afternoon to you. I am. I'm well. We are well. We are in Oregon. Oh, wonderful. Now, should yeah. I call you Jay Robert? Or should I call you Bobby? You should call me Mr. Jay Robert Spencer. <laughs> Please, <laughs> Bobby. Bobby is awesome. That's what I thought. I heard a little bird told me Bobby was just fine. But I know that your professional name is J. Robert Spencer, so we don't want to confuse the folks listening. So how are you doing? How's everything going over there in Oregon? Well, and, and like anybody else, you know, when March 13th hit, the world got sick. And I am in a group called and have been for the last 10 years called the Midtown Men. Four stars from the original cast of Broadway's Jersey Boys. And in 10 years, we've done over a thousand concerts all over the world. And wow. so, you know, it, for us, it's been business as usual every year. And we had just got, got uh, we had just uh, completed a, uh, a private event on March the 7th. And a couple weeks prior to that, all this stuff was bubbling up. And then uh, slowly but surely, I was in New York. I was at this callback. And the next day, like I said, the world got sick and all of our concerts uh, got canceled. So I had all these private shows and holiday shows that were, get, that were booked and that were getting booked into the future. And uh, about, you know, there was at least at that point, you know, in the, we already had about 30 concerts already and we had more coming uh, and they all got canceled. So it was yeah. really trying to figure out, <clears throat> well, gosh darn it, I don't know, what's, what's the next step? You know, or do we just sit by and wait? And so sure, yeah, for, I suppose for the first month or so, it's just shock and you're kind of sitting by, you can't get through unemployment. You cannot get through unemployment forever. And right. uh, that was just a hassle and a half. And, uh, and so it just came down to the point where uh, the kids were out of school because, you know, there was no school. So we had to switch gears and, and we were uh, working with Zoom, you know, with the kids in the classroom like every other 
parent and our kids were taking their cello and their piano and their violin over Zoom and they were taking math and German over Zoom, everything, you know. And it, it, it adapted really well. And we just thought, you know what, when we're moving forward, this is kind of, it's a really uncertain moment right now in time. So let's be, let's be proactive. And, uh, and I said, we're going to sell this home in Oregon. And we did. I said, yeah. we are going wow. to just uh, get out of debt, the, the, the bit that we have, and we're going to rent. And we are going to homeschool these kids and we're going to continue to give them the best on, on our terms uh, because uh, there's too much um, uncertainty going on right now leading into the future. And so for us, I f- felt that this was the most uh, proactive thing to do as a parent, as a provider uh, in uncertain times like this. So in the meantime, as an artist, mm-hmm. uh, I get the occasional... Um, no, I've been recording a lot at the house. We've been uh, putting a lot of stuff out on digital platforms, whether it's uh, Spotify or, or uh, Amazon or Google Play. So that's been uh, artistically, we have not stopped. That's for in this household and our kids with their ukuleles, with their cellos, with their <laughs> violins and piano and the singing. Uh, nice. Seriously. Yeah. So I think artistically, we've kept, we've just kept going artistically because, because, uh, we just need this outlet. My outlet's always been on the stage for so many years, traveling across this great country, mm-hmm. um, seeing every place, uh, er, the good, bad, and the ugly, and every amazing venue that has an incredible story behind it and in the in the rafters and on the stage themselves, you know? And, mm-hmm. and to now, have all that just kind of shut down, you're right. just kind of like, what do I do? What do I do? It's, it's a huge shock. And, you, you know, you've just gone over all the things that you've, you've been doing with your family uh, to hold up, you know, during the quarantine time. And it's great, the transition that you've done. Now, for those listening in, um, I think they might know you best from two huge Broadway shows that you were a part of, from the, you know, from uh, the original Broadway uh, cast of Jersey Boys and Next to Normal, right? And yes, so this is quite a shift, quite a shift from the, 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 the time that you spent working in New York City on Broadway, it must have been, this, a lot of people were talking about this quarantine time or saying, a lot of actors that I'm talking to, what a shift this has been for them. And there are good and bad things about it, but it's really quite a opposite, polar opposite, right? From the hustle and bustle and go um, of the time that you were in those Broadway shows. Absolutely. And I think about it often. I think about when we were in New York and the height of both those amazing shows those amazing moments in time and all the incredible <clears throat> performances we got to do opposite each other um on those stages and in, in front of those audiences um and to look back on that time and to look at this time now yeah it's it's so stanley kubrick i don't know i, I feel i i'm not in new york right now i we're, we're we i sure. do feel fortunate being in oregon i i feel so uh, bad from the various people I, and friends I've talked to personally in, uh, that are in New York. They're like, Bobby, it's, it's just a ghost town here. You know, it's just, it's just scary. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's uncertain. It's, it's uh, yeah. So well, sure. nobody's digging the vibe there. No, it's special times. I mean, it's really different stuff going on than, than ever before, I think. But so if you don't mind, cast us back a little bit for those of us that, that are listening in, the, my listeners that want to know more about what it's like to be part of a mega Broadway musical. Because, I mean, these were two huge hits 
uh, as far as, as most people are concerned, not just uh, popular, but also critically acclaimed shows. So can you talk a little bit about um, Jersey Boys and Next to Normal? You know, they're both very different experiences, I'm sure. Can you tell us a little bit about each? Maybe start with I Jersey will. Boys. Tell us, you, were, you originated the role, right, of Nick Massey in, and in, in Jersey Boys, which was a Tony Award and Grammy Award winning show. So tell us, tell us about that experience for you. It was electric. That was just totally electric. And we were in La Jolla, California, and we sat down for the first table read. We had spent the first couple of days, you know, the first week doing research dramaturg, uh, researching the, the, the era, the jersey, you know, of that era. That's just so exciting as an actor when you dive in that, in that direction and you're sitting around this table with all these people and you're all learning the same stuff and, and you're all on the same mission. And then you're also learning these great, you know, nostalgic tunes that we all knew on the radio growing up. If you were, if you were alive growing up during that, uh, that time when it was on the radio, um, in the height of when it was at on, and even in the height of, of, um, of the later Frankie Valley in the four seasons, when it was the old, oh, what a night era, you know? Yeah. Um, so we were at that first table read. We got mm. done singing and everything. And I can remember the four of us guys singing Sherry, Sherry, baby, Sherry, Sherry, baby, right? For the very first time. And I could remember uh, everybody looking at each other, like their eyes kind of looking at each other and these smiles <laughs> started on everyone's faces and the eyes were darting back and forth like a tennis, you know, match. And everybody just started looking at each other like, wow, that sounds really great. And I remember thinking, wow, that sounds really great. You know, with the four <laughs> of us blended. Because sure. I really, we, here's, here's the funny thing. I don't recall, because Ron Melrose is an incredible musical director. He's got uh-huh. an, an amazing ear. And he, you know, heard all of our voices in, a, in an audition room at completely different times, at completely different days of the weeks and months. You know what I mean? And he uh-huh. knew that 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 voice, that one, that, that those four voices were going to be the right four seasons blend. Amazing. And, and, and we were rehearsing just uh, uh, kind of a, a, alone. I really don't remember us together. We were doing it separately and then we did it a couple times, but it really felt like that that was like the, the first moment of holy moly. And, and when, when intermission hit for that table read, uh, I just, called my wife and I said, well, I'm coming back to New York uh, and I'm, I'm coming, what, how did I say it? I said, oh, I'm coming back to New York uh, with the hit Broadway show. Oh, because you could feel it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, people say, out. some people some people say they can tell at some point when it's really working out, right? And that's what the feeling that you had, that things were gelling really well between all of you, right? And the Absolutely. fourth and all the five years. But the, um, what, what what was what about the collaboration spoke the most to you? I mean, was it working with the the director, the choreographer? I mean, what an amazing team, right? The director, right. the choreographer. Um, the, this and starting at La Jolla. I mean, how long was the process from La Jolla to Broadway? That's a good question. You remember? Yeah, you that, I I do have to kind of think back and remember. Hold on, my doggy, Tober, Tober. Hey, Rain, Tober's crying. My wife just my wife just went. uh, She just turned fifty, and so she just went on a two day kind of just kind of getaway. And so the dog is such a mama's boy, (laughs) so he's like, (laughs) you got him. Oh, Randy got him. 
Oh, thanks, guys. Okay, sorry. Well, um, hello. It's fine. We understand. Sorry about yeah. that. <laughs> you got um, you got kids and dogs. It's gonna. End I dogs. know kids yeah. and dogs. But that's the name of my new CD. Kids and right. dogs. <laughs> Is it really? It should be. No, it's not. no, Absolutely. no. That's but, great, though. I love it. I like that title. I do, do it, too. do it. That should be uh, um, what, so Jersey Boys, was it a long process from? Oh, thank from you. Well, you know what was, it was crazy. I, it, you had to be a quadruple uh, threat for that gig. You, I really, yeah. had, I learned bass guitar, which is great. I'd been, a dr I'm been drumming my whole life. I can play acoustic guitar. And I had always wanted to learn bass. And I always thought, when the heck are you going to find time? Well, I got cast in the show, played Nick Massey, the bass player of the Four Seasons. And I was like, well, I'm going to play this thing. You know, <laughs> I want to play. <laughs> and uh, right. and then you have to learn the choreography while you're playing, and then you have to learn your harmony while you're learning the choreography while you're playing, and then you have to learn the harmony while you're dancing while you're playing while you're learning your five-page monologue. Sure, yeah, it was so much work, That's and great. it was what a great experience. Three weeks intense, three weeks, and then we were just on his feet in La Jolla. And it was such a smash hit. It lasted, it was only going to be there three months, and then they extended it another three months. Oh. And then I came back to New York knowing we were coming to Broadway, and I spent the next seven months just growing my hair out and my beard and playing bass guitar <laughs> until we started the show, you know? Because the show was for ready. When we, left La, when we left La Jolla, the show yeah, was ready was for Broadway. Okay. We didn't have to tweak. We tweak. Of course, we tweak things, but I'm, right. it was ready, man. But nothing major. No major rewrites or anything. Not and I think all. people say, almost everyone that I've ever talked to who's, who's done this process has said, you need the process. You need an out-of-town tryout. Mm -hmm. You need to work through the show somewhere for a while. The show needs to simmer. It needs to bake. You know, you can't just throw it on Broadway without having um, all that back time to do all that. So that's great that you had that, that, that time together. That um, also, but to add to what you said, that also adds all of that is the important ingredient is really chemistry too. That's so valuable to uh, the success of any, um, of any business really, you know, of any business, any production, any, anything of this magnitude, chemistry. And uh, we had a really great chemistry. Yeah, to have the right fit of people and everyone working to the, to this towards the same goal. And so then, you opened you opened in New York, and then the show's a huge smash, right? And so, what was that experience like for you to to open up, like you said, in, in a hit show in New York? You knew ahead of time. Did that change anything for you? I know you had worked in theater, you know, your whole life up until then, right? You've done a lot of other things, um, but how how did it shift things for you, or did it not? Oh, it changed everything. We yeah. were on the cover of the New York Times. We were like, what? Everybody yeah. loved the show. Uh, you know, uh, all these wonderful actors and actresses from the, the world of film, television, theater that you either grew up watching or in the moment had been watching, you know, and they're all coming to the show and they're very, very excited to meet you. And wow. so it was people like Bruce Willis and Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn and Robin nice. Williams and. Oh, the list goes on with just, and, and you know, it's the same. We were the Hamilton before Hamilton, you know, and it's like, everybody was there. Everybody was there. And we'd come out the stage door. It was crazy. It was like the Beatles and, oh. you know, but there's, but there are so many stories involved where, you know, it's so easy to be in a situation like that and, you know, be start, start thinking to yourself, um, Hey, Hey, I'm, I'm a big deal now. Okay. <laughs> I'm a big deal, you know? And, and, you know, and then like, moments happen in the moment of you thinking you're a big deal like this, like this, you know, I'm walking down the street 
and this mm-hmm. this is after Jersey Boys uh, a, a show. Now I'm walking down the street, and I remember this woman stopping me, and she said, "Can I please have a picture?" And I said, "Of course." And she hands me the camera to take a picture of her <laughs> with uh, with the guy who had gone on for Frankie Valley that day. And I was like, "Oh, oh, yes, of course." And you I just looked. The photographer, not the. Isn't not that the hilarious? Yes. No, no. Well, you know, but it keeps you humble. It keeps you <laughs> humble. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I don't, I don't sense you have problems with that. You, see, you sound pretty down to me. But um, that's great. And so the, the, obviously the experience is amazing and it's a once in a lifetime thing for you. And it was the first sort of big, big, big hit for you in your career, yeah. right? That's yes, really- it was. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and we then- were going to, you know, I'm sorry to interrupt, but we were going, no. we, were, we were invited to every party. We were going to every opening. We were nice. on every red carpet, you know. Uh, mm. We were on Regis. Uh, we were on late night with David Letterman, we were on Dick Clark's Rock and New Year's Eve. I mean, that was, my father called me. I would never forget. He goes, you just performed. You know, I think he was like in front of 90 million people. I was like, holy moly, really? <laughs> I, it, that was, I <laughs> At mean, least this, after. <laughs> this went beyond the world of Broadway, the, the success of Jersey right. Boys. We really, yeah. I mean, to think we would be singing in, in front of time, in Times Square, New Year's Eve in the most iconic, nostalgic platform on the planet, Mr. Dick Clark. And then the success of that show, you can look at 10 years later when we decided, let's start a business called The Midtown Man, four stars from Jersey Boys. But let's do, of course, a few songs we, that made us, uh, you know, known for doing these guys on Broadway in the story of Frankie Valli. But now we've got the platform to do Mamas and the Papas, the Turtles, the Zombies, the Rascals, the Monkeys, the Beatles. So Amazing. that was really fun to yeah. to take that and and. uh this and and people uh would come see the midtown men on on and on the while we we're on the road because either they had seen us in jersey boys and had really genuinely missed us and wanted to see us again or they hadn't seen us in jersey boys and that's what they had to come see us on the road because they'd missed that mm-hmm. so it's really there's been two worlds for me through jersey boys um great yeah, so you started this whole other uh really parallel venture that came out of it or grew out of it, which is the, the the Midtown Men. And who are the Midtown Men? Remind everyone. Can you can you tell us? I know you are one of them, right? And so Thank it's you. all the original cast members, right? Yeah, it's Daniel Reichert who was Bob Gaudio, mm-hmm. Christian Hoff who won the Tony Award for playing Tommy DeVito, mm-hmm. and Michael Longoria who was the original Joe Pesci, who would a year later take over the lead role as as Frankie Valley. Nice. Okay, yeah. so that's who your guys are, and all of you, uh, you travel and you you tour around the country. Obviously, now you're probably focusing on recording and other things rather than traveling. But yeah. you have traveled the country, and oh yes, yes, and you've gone internationally too, right? Yes. Uh, you know, uh, with the Midtown Men, we were uh, we were performing a we do a lot of fundraising events as well as performing in performing arts centers and symphony halls and a lot of fundraisers and galas, and uh, this particular one. Um, uh, someone in the audience, this just kind of strange how things happen in our business, but it, someone in the audience was going, Hey, we need entertainment for the China embassy. And uh, we, we'd like to fly you guys over and perform. <laughs> we were wow. like, say, huh? What? Because someone was in the audience that night. So wow. through that, the midtime, and that was extraordinary. But the, the real, one of my ex- extreme highlights was uh, when, um, I was reunited with the cast of Next to Normal. Well, you'll jump to Next to Normal in a second, but we took a trip yeah. to, Buen- to Buenos Aires. Uh, that was about four years ago because nice. Next to Normal 
over in Buenos Aires was a huge hit. And these producers, um, they had never had a hit like Next to Normal ever over there. So uh-huh. they, it was the longest running show for them over there. And right, well, Argentina, nice. Argentina yeah. is very big on psychoanalysis. It's one of the largest, most popular um, countries for psychoanalysis. I know my mother is from Uruguay, right across the river. Uh, uh, so you I know a lot are, about Argentina. <laughs> you are absolutely right. And my mouth love Woody dropped. Allen. Yeah, well, Woody Allen. Wow, you're right. They're obsessed. Uh, so yeah. that's why. That's yeah. why that <laughs> show just was ginormous over there. So, and talk to me. Talk to me about next to normal. Then let's let's move to that. If you don't, yeah, mind. yeah. We get to let's talk a bit about that experience. Because then, you know, you have this huge experience with Jersey Boys, and then, a, you know, a few years later, you have this uh, huge where you play you play um, Dan right, yeah, Newman, the dad yeah. in, in next to normal, and you get nominated for a Tony Award for. Uh, best performance by a leading actor in a musical for that show for next to normal. What a thrill, right? I mean, what was yeah. that process like? And, and, and then talk to us about Tony Knight too. What, how crazy that must have been. Tony Knight, I'll go do Tony Knight first, but because Carrie Fisher oh. introduced us. So that was, oh, that, man. that was a really oh, fun wow. little bit of trivia for down the line. But that, yes, there that, we were. That's all you- I, and, and so Alice and Aaron and I, uh, you know, it, uh, we were uh, behind, this, behind, the, uh, behind the curtain while Carrie was introducing us and introducing the plot of the show and, the, you know, and all that. And, um, uh, you know, and everybody was just, you know, ready, you mm-hmm. know, like ready. And the, the curtain went up. And I think what happened is if you watch the Tony Awards, you'll notice that Alice is off a little bit of the because it's a lot it's the live band but they uh-huh. they recorded the live band and so we have you know we're we're singing to the we're singing to the live band track on the we're singing oh. live but we're singing to the live band track oh okay. and alice alice actually got off a little bit when she started um the mm-hmm. song you don't know she's it was it was mm-hmm. off a little bit it was off a little bit and people were uh, told me later they were like biting their fingernails, biting their fingernails, biting their fingernails. Mm. And Damien Baseman, who's the drummer, and I'm a drummer, and of course we would hang out a lot, you know, because we're drummers. He was yeah. like, he told me, he told me later, he was like, I was telling everybody, don't worry, guys, Bobby's got this. He'll get the pocket back. He'll get the pocket back. It was something like that. <laughs> and then when I came in with them, um, can you tell me? You know, I was like, bam, I got the pocket back, and we just rocked out. And uh, and I tell you, when I watch, when I watch that performance. Uh-huh. I I'm so grateful to that performance of Alice and Aaron and the camera work of that of that performance on the Tonys. I think uh-huh. the camera work is so great. The way they really blocked it out, they really took time with it. I think it looks sharp. I think it really conveys the power of Tom and Brian's work and Michael yeah. Greif's work and the passion that our producers put to get us up on that stage to bring, you got to remember also, man, you got to get props up to people that even get you up on a stage like that, because you got the crew bringing the set over from the Broadway house to yeah. take it to radio city and set it up. It's a huge team involved. Yeah. Huge. I team. mean, that, that show alone, I mean, just uh, aside from everything else, just the subject matter, uh, groundbreaking, yeah. right? Nobody had ever really written a musical Never. about, um, you know, bipolar disorder or any sort of, of mental health issues and to have that show 
come out of the canon like that with such an amazing score and, and lyrics and have you guys perform, you know, Alice Ripley and Aaron Tveit, I always pronounce the name wrong, uh, you know, being so, you know, on in all the whole cast, uh, Jennifer Damiano, right? Yeah, Damiano. I remember her as well. Damiano. Uh, yeah. Damiano, Italiano. Uh, but, you know, and so, yeah, so it's, Adam, no, it's no- Lewis, no, yeah. Yeah, it's no, it's no wonder the show was such a hit uh, in Buenos Aires because um, they, they love psychoanalysis. And, you know, and of course it was a huge hit in the United States. Yeah. Um, and so what was the, that Tony night like for you aside, like personally? I mean, um, it was your first time being Tony nominated, right? And so um, was it, did it feel like, uh, some people talk about feeling like out of body experience or sort of, or was it more friendly for you? Was it more, uh, aside from the performance, uh, being with your friends in in the room, did that I, feel? I loved. Um, I have to tell you, you know, all I remember that evening too. There were all of my castmates from Jersey Boys, because I'd I'd left the show obviously because I was in Next to Normal, and they Jersey Boys had a big that evening. They had some kind of big finale they were doing for it, so everyone from that show was there in that nice. cast, you know, that I obviously knew and was family. And there I was in the hallway about five minutes, seven minutes away from, you know, going on stage to perform that number. Mm-hmm. And here comes all the cast of Jersey Boys because they have to go to the other side of the stage to get ready for their part <laughs> of the show. Yeah. And they're like, hey, Bobby, Bobby, hey, Bobby, hey, hey. Everybody's like high five. And <laughs> the girls are like, Bobby, go get her and kissing. We're like as quick as we can because everybody's running. And I just, you know, I, I just, uh, I just remember that. I remember smiling a lot. I remember my wife always looks beautiful, but she looked especially beautiful that night in that wonderful dress. And, you know, my family was there that night, my mom and dad and, and my sisters. And so I'm kind of this babbling, but hey, I'm trying to remember the magical no. moments of that evening. But here's the thing that <laughs> I want to, em- the, the thing I do want to emphasize is mm-hmm. that the morning that it was announced that I was nominated, yeah, um, I I remember my wife jumping up and down, screaming in the living room. I can still see it, you know, New York one uh, announcing it, a New York one. And our son Getty was, oh, he was, oh gosh, I don't know how. I guess he was about three. Yeah, he's about three and a half um, uh, at that time. And our daughter Rain was, um, she was born on the fourth day of rehearsal in next to normal. She, she was about, I don't know, gosh, eight months, about seven months old. And wow. And I remember when they called my name, cause I was the last one. Cause Spencer, you know, S that's the last one. I remember thinking I won. There you go. I don't need it. I won. I won. I got the nomination. And a lot of people go, you didn't win the Tony. Yeah, I did. I totally, man, I did. How much better could it get than that? I mean, sure, I suppose it could if I'd, if I'd had the opportunity to actually had won it. But I swear to you, man, I never once ever uh, well, thought that, anything, anything yeah. other than I'm so grateful and just so like, all right, man. Well, I always feel that the nomination is the win. If you get nominated and recognized, that means you were among the best that year, at least in terms of, you know, and it's, you know, some of it's a popularity contest, some of it is what it is, but to be recognized uh, by your peers and by your group, that's the key. Yeah. 
and that's mm-hmm. all that work that you put in, you know, and, and what a wonderful description of your, of your, of your night. That sounds like it was exhilarating. So going back a little bit, because we've been yeah. talking now about Jersey boys next to normal, these two huge moments in your life, but I wanted to walk back a little bit um, and talk to me a little bit about how you got started. I'm curious because I see a, a musical side to you in terms of like musicianship, but what about that with theater? How did you get your start in theater? Was it something you always wanted to do from being a little kid yeah. or did you have uh, or did you have a mentor or someone who helped you lead the way? How did, how did you kind of get to New York? Because it's not, people need to know, it's not just you snap your fingers and you're there. So how, how, how was that journey, you know, in a nutshell for you? I can remember uh, we were moved around a lot when we, were, when we were kids. I have four older sisters and then it's me. And my uh-huh. dad's job moved us around. And it, when I was going into fourth grade, 1980, uh, we moved to Texas <clears throat> and we listened to the radio all the time. Mm. We were always singing. My sisters were always singing. My mom, my dad, everybody was always singing. Everybody had a good voice too. So nice. we were not only singing to the radio, we're all singing together. So it was like, you know, the Partridge family, even though no one ever performed, I ended up being the only performer, but you know, I, we were always singing. So when I got to Texas in fourth grade, Rush from Canada, the rock group Rush, yeah. That was the year that Moving Pictures came out. The album yeah. Moving Pictures and Tom Sawyer was the first track. Mm-hmm. And the radio was on one day and I Tom Sawyer came on and I looked and the song ended and then a couple hours later a couple of, you know, minutes later on another radio station the song came on again and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, there's that song again." And that drum solo happened—never heard anything that fast. Nice. <laughs> now, were you when the song was drum? done, I when the no, no. But when the song was done, I looked at my mom and I said, "I want to play drums." And I started playing uh-huh. drums immediately. And then I immediately started singing more. And then I immediately uh, wanted to take voice lessons. And then I started taking drum lessons more. And then I was taking dance class. So nice. it was starting with the radio. It was starting with inspiration from the radio. Um, it was starting because my ear was catching it and I was hearing harmonies and I was singing harmonies all the time with the Beatles or with Mamas and Papas and with all the classic rock and roll it seemed like and then I met you speak of mentors when I started taking jazz dance and and uh and ballet like I had to um uh, get going you know in this you know to be your triple threatness there's a a gentleman in Plano Texas named John Steele and he was the uh, dance instructor and also the uh, acting coach and also the uh, teacher at the Plano Senior High School, which had the greatest, uh, probably still does, performing arts, you know, high school in the day. Uh-huh. And, and in my taking class with him, he didn't know me. Uh, he was a very much a mentor, very, 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 um, uh, very, um, aren't it inspirational is just not the word I'm looking for. He was very, um, uh, assuring with me all the time. Like I was like, come here, Bobby, get in the front, you know, come on, yeah. you know, and, and you his, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was just always in. Yeah. And, and, and then he cast me in working. That was my first real <laughs> job. He was doing the summer 
uh, theater production of working with his prefer professional performing arts seniors who were now going off to professional musical theater colleges and conservatories to study. So that's really, really, really when it sparked. For me, fourth grade was when all of my music, everything just took off and I didn't stop. And Was it and always you know, together? Was it always the playing the instruments and doing the theater at the same time and the singing? Or was it yeah. a different track? Oh, wow. So you always combine the two. Did you get to play any instruments while performing? Um, in, in shows in high school or college? Or was yes. that never still you? Yes. Okay. When I was in, in the eighth grade, we did the, the show on stage. We did a stage version of the show, Free to Be You and Me. And oh, okay. I was part of the pit. So I was the drummer in the show. And then I'd run on stage and, you know, um, when my, what is the song? When my boy William was five years old, he wanted a doll to hug and hold. <laughs> and then they go, a doll. Said William. You know. <laughs> So your voice and, and your, your musicianship at the same time, it was both. It was both. They were wor working in parallel, right, to get yeah. to where you, you ended up. Um, and so from there, from high school and all that work you're doing, and, you know, you're in Texas. And then in high school, were you in Texas as well? And then moved to, to – how did you go from there to college? How did that Eventually, happen? we moved to play, uh, uh, Pennsylvania, York, Pennsylvania, around the time I graduated high school. Then I ended up going to college at Shenandoah Conservatory. I graduated in 1991. Mm -hmm. uh, they were nice enough to give me an honorary doctorate in 2009. So I I'm, actually, I'm actually Dr. Bob. Dr. Bob, that's awesome. So, <laughs> so many years later, you get the honorary degree with them, which is really a, a great honor, I think. But so when you're in Shenandoah there in Winchester, Virginia, um, are you already thinking, okay, Broadway, Broadway, Broadway? Broadway, or was that not what you were thinking? What were you thinking when you were in college? Do I want to go straight to Broadway, or did you have other thoughts? Well, doggone it, Stefan, it's just, it really is a long story. I'm sorry to bore everybody, but the thing it's is, I went there. I went there for, well, here it is. I mean, it's long, though. I'll try to make it short. I went there for theater. I went there for theater, but you got to remember, I'm a rock and roller. I'd been yep. drumming my whole life. I'd been playing guitar and drumming and singing along with Phil Collins while I was mm -hmm. playing drums, you know, singing along with Night Ranger while I'm playing drums, you know? Whatever band, you know, you know, I was, I was out in the 80s, I was behind a drum set playing to them. Nice. So when I get into my sophomore year of college, these three freshmen come in, right? And they're all musicians and they're incredible. And they are virtuosos on the guitar and on the drums. So I drop the drumsticks and I take the front man position of just singing lead. And I've got this hard rock band. And just, just... As I get all my credits to graduate, I get my degree, and I still have my acting and my chops, and I'm doing all my classes and all of that. But I'm like, no, man, we're going to hard rock. We're going to be a rock and roll band. We're going. Everybody wants to do it. We got a killer band. And in 91, uh, after we graduated, sometime in 92, uh, this is long, but we sent a demo in Atlantic Records. And they loved it. And they uh -huh. wanted us to sign a contract with them. And then they got us in touch with this recording studio called Bear Track Studio, which is upstate New York. And things were moving. And then the guys in the band got cold feet. Oh. And they didn't want to sign the line. And I was just like, man, I can't live my life with four other guys deciding my future, you know. And, sure. and I thought, well, I got I to gotta move on. So I quit the band. And I went back into acting immediately. And I moved to New York. And I got... Um, uh, a quick tour uh, uh, to get me my equity acting card. I got a tour for um, uh, uh, Charlotte's Web from Theater Works USA, which is a yes. really, really well-known, yes. very, very prestigious um, uh, 
theater uh, for children. Um, and, and I don't yes. think it's around any longer. But anyway, I did that for three months, cruised around this amazing country in a van. I love driving and throw across country, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Something you like. But and when I got back, I auditioned my tail off and then I got uh-huh. cats on the road and I was making, and they told me what I would be making by playing the Rum Tum Tugger. And it was the most money I'd ever heard in my life. And this was back <laughs> in, you know, 93. I couldn't, when they were still paying good money. Uh-huh. And so I'm on the road doing cats. I save a ton of money. I moved back 14 months later to New York and I auditioned my butt off. I'm doing this reading. I'm doing this workshop, that reading workshop. I'm doing a cabaret act because I've saved enough money. I don't want to wait tables. I want to focus on my art. I want to audition for everything. And if I'm waiting tables, I can't do that. So luckily it pays off. And then I get Sideshow, my first Broadway show. With Alice Ripley. With Alice Ripley, who, you know, all those years later, I will play her husband in Next to Normal. Who knew, right? Wow. I know. Life's amazing. Crazy. And so you get you get Sideshow. It was like 1997, 98. I don't remember. That's right. that. Seven, I'm going by it. I love, I love that, that original Broadway cast recording. It's the one show I wish I had seen on Broadway that I didn't get to see. But um, uh, so everything I'm hearing you say, Bobby, uh, I'm hearing your love for music, your love for pop music, for rock music, for what's on the radio, for playing, you know, instruments for playing the drums for playing playing you know uh rock instruments right combined with your love for singing in musical theater and what an amazing it's i don't think it's a coincidence that the two big shows that have been so far in your career on broadway were shows that very much were rock shows or pop shows right jersey boys and next to normal these are two shows whose scores very much are in that vein and also sideshow is too though you got to remember henry krieger that yes. music's so rock poppy, you know. He's yes. what, Henry watching Henry and Bill write that show, man. Oh. And then that I worked with them again. Well, the thing is, I worked. I was lucky enough to work with Henry Krieger and Bill Russell again. Uh-huh. This uh, in a show called Lucky Duck, that was based off of the Ugly Duckling. It was such a funny show, and uh-huh. we were at the the Old Globe. And then when that show wrapped up. My friend Todd Weeks, who was in the show with me, was like, hey, where are you going now? I was like, I'm going to this uh, La Jolla Playhouse now to do a show called Jersey Boys. <laughs> so at the time, I had these two shows, and I was going, gosh darn, which one's going back? I don't know. They both could, but uh, obviously Jersey Boys ended up going. But, but Henry Krieger, I mean, you know, one of the greatest, and he just really got a – he's got away with the keys. Right. Well, and so now, you know, going back to what we were talking about next to normal. So let's fast forward a bit. Then we go through Jersey Boys, go through next to normal because we talked about those. Then since next to normal and the huge, massive success of that as well, I mean, Pulitzer Prize for the show. I mean, it's really one of the, the most um, iconic now shows in the history of Broadway musicals. Wow. Um, but uh, yeah, I know. Right. Isn't that great? Yeah. To, to be able to hear. But it's, so now, it's, since um, then, well, it's stunning to hear that it's it's jaw-dropping and it's uh it's uh (laughs) yeah it is and so now the now since next to normal what i what i've sort of looked i was looking at your resume and a lot of stuff you work on it seems like you've been focusing a lot on your music which i think is great you're kind of getting back to what you first kind of found your passion and in that listening to tom sawyer you know from rush uh the rush's tom sawyer in in the car wherever it was that that yeah it was now you're now you're heading 
to like the Midtown Men, but also doing a lot of exciting recording projects. And I know you have albums that you've recorded, uh, a holiday album as well. I mean, you have exciting projects. Tell us a little bit about some of the music projects that you have either coming up or that you've recently done so that those listening can, can find out more about your recording career. Thank you. Yeah. Well, if everybody goes to jrobertspencer.com, uh, there's a huge platform you'll see. It'll promote everything I got going on. It'll show you where you can get all my music, whether it's on Google Play or Spotify. It is out there. And what I, I you know, the thing is when you're, I, I really feel being on the road with the Midtown Man with the seven piece band that we have and you're singing all that harmony and doing all that great music, you know, you can't help but, and I'm, and now I'm, I have the capabilities to get behind the drum set every night at Soundcheck. And, you know, so now I'm in the vibe again. And then that's when it, it really happened, Steph. And that's when I was like, I, all these songs started coming to me. And so three and a half years ago is when I wrote all these tunes on the road. And I grabbed a guitar at a guitar center one day because I was in L.A. for four days in a hotel. And I was like, shoot, man, I am got to write songs. And I wrote five songs in three hours. And then I, I zipped oh, wow. to Minnesota because my manager, Jeff V., he has an amazing recording studio up there in St. Cloud, Minnesota. And I went there, I recorded all these tunes. And then what happened is that I was planning on releasing an album. And then what happened is that uh, my father passed away a couple years back. And it just really, really just punched me so hard in the gut. It hurt my heart so hard. And sure. I went through massive, just like, you know, just like a downfall, just like this being, you know, so down. And mm -hmm. then uh, I, and then uh, I started saying, you know what? I need to get these songs out. I'm sick of them sitting on the shelf. I'm not going to release an album because no one does albums anymore and no one downloads albums anymore. It's right. either single this or single yeah. that or single this. So I'm just starting to put out, because the Beatles would do that, man. The Beatles would put out an album and then three months later, they just put out a single. You know, So every three months, I was like, hey, let's just put out something new. And when COVID hit, I have this little recording studio. I've got my drum set. I've got my acoustic. I've got my bass guitar. We've got piano. My kid plays cello. My other kid plays violin. So wow, we, really, we wrote a song uh, called Holding On For Dear Life. And it got great response. It was played. Uh, uh, I got a great uh, a couple of plugs on, on some. Uh, uh, oh, gosh, I can't think right now. National broadcast radio stations across the country. A lot of support with Sirius Radio with okay. my two songs. My other song, Waiting On Christmas, you mentioned was a really, yes. really fun song to do. So I've done a lot of songwriting and a lot of recording the last couple of years. And I'm really, really proud of the songs I've written and some of the best songs I feel I've ever written. And I feel it's because I'm of the age I'm at. I'm 51. I have mm -hmm. not lived, you know, all the way to tell everybody what to do, but I've lived enough to tell, <laughs> to tell what I know, what I've experienced, the good, the bad, and the not so great. And I convey it the sure. way I want to. And, and, I'm really, really jazzed by my song that's out there, Live It High, my other song, On the Open Outside, my other song, With the Windows Rolled Down, my other song, as I said, uh, Holding On For Dear Life, uh, you know, Waiting On Christmas. All these songs were done in the last several years, and there's a lot more songs I'm going to be releasing. So what I've been doing is just releasing that during this time, because there's really nothing else that I can do. You know, I love I say. what I do. How are you pivoting? It sounds like you're pivoting just great. I mean, in terms of everything that's going on, right? You can't, we're all on this indefinite pause. Anyone who works in theater and live theater, I mean, we are just doing the best we can. You see a lot of people doing, you know, I'm directing a play on Zoom. 
uh, for a small you know professional theater here in town in DC. Other people are trying to do you know new plays, uh, readings, yeah. getting you know. I get it. Everyone's adapting the best they can. So it sounds like you're going back to your musical roots, which I think is fantastic, and and putting out all this wonderful music. You know, you know what's interesting is because I actually had a one a one man show I'd been working on. It was called it's called Seven Thousand Miles to Broadway, and I was supposed to be perform. I had at least five concerts booked. Uh, in 2020 to do this with my live band and this and that. And of course, all those got canceled as well. But that's what this, I have an online concert coming up on October 15th. That was, I was supposed to do in April. I'll talk about that. I'm sorry. I'll talk about that in a second. But anyway, this one man show that was supposed to be a big band show and da, da, da. It's now slimmed down to me and my acoustic guitar sitting on a chair and doing what I was going to, but it's way the heck more intimate. It's me, my guitar. I've got great stories of Jersey Boys, great stories of Next to Normal, of people we met. I've got great letters that Tom Hanks wrote us, that Harvey Keitel wrote us, that uh, Larry David wrote us. I mean, it's, it's such a fun evening. And I promise it's not a pretentious evening at all. It's at all. I just got a lot of fun stories to tell of all these great, great things that I've done. That's 7,000 miles to Broadway. That's coming. That's something you're working on now, right? Yeah. Well, it's, it's just, yeah, that's the title, but this, what ended up happening is that this more intimate online show that I've come up with now with just me and my guitar, it's just slimmed down now. I'm just going to be playing a lot more of, of more of, of, what it was that I loved listening to the in the car radio drive across the country. There's going to be Jim Croce. There's going to be Cat Stevens. Oh. Oh. There's going to be, oh gosh, let me think. I've been playing everything. There's going to be Merle Haggard. There's going to be maybe some Conway Twitty. And yeah, there's going to be some musical theater and there's going to be some original stuff. But in between that, I've got some really funny stories about, uh, you know, the different people uh, that we met over the years backstage, yeah, especially the, the Joe Pesci story. The Joe Pesci story is actually one of my favorites. So. It sounds like you want to tell it now. Or you oh, I'll just- tell it. Oh, you want me to tell it? <laughs> Pesci, tell it. Pesci's really, you know, Pesci um, is the reason the Four Seasons got together. And there's a mention of Joe Pesci in the show Jersey Boys, for those of you who know it. He yes. introduces Bob Gaudio and Frankie Valley. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's his, his moment in history. So he's from the, the, the neighborhood. So he comes to the show in LA. It's the first time we meet him. And he invests in the show as well. So there it is, October 3rd, we're in New York City. We are about to start our first night of preview and I'm a total nervous wreck. I'm a nervous wreck. And every night I would go out into the alleyway and I would go through the lines of the second act once I got on my outfit. Uh When I went out this night in the alleyway, there's Bob Gaudio, the original Four Season member, but I'd been working with Bob for over, you know, how many months? So it wasn't a shock to see him, but there was Joe Pesci, and I didn't know Pesci was going to be there, and I was a nervous wreck. And now seeing Joey, I'm like, great, now I'm even more of a wreck. So he's smoking a cigarette, and he goes, hey, hey, hey. And Bob Gaudio goes, hey, Joey, you remember meeting uh, Bobby Spencer? Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember we met in California. I go, yeah, yeah, nice to meet you again. That's my, uh, my friend, lawyer, JJ. So he had some guy named JJ. Okay. So I walk away. I'm going over my lines in my head, but I can't focus on it at all because Joe Pesci is five feet away from me. So I go, you know what? I got to go back inside. So I go to the door and there's no handle on this door. Every other time I've gone out this stage door, that door has been propped open. This first time it's been closed. There's no handle. I can't open it, dude. And I open the second act and I go, Oh my gosh. And I'm trying to pry it open. And Pesci goes, what are you doing? You can't get back in. You can't get back in. And Gaudio is standing there and I go, Bob, do you have a cell phone on you? Do you have a cell phone on you? I got to call stage manager because there's two doors. There's this door and then there's a seven or eight foot walk 
in uh, cement before you even get to the stage door. No one can hear you if you're pounding on the outside in the alleyway. So uh, Gaudio goes, no, I don't have a cell phone on me. And Pesci goes, you can't get back in. You can't get back in. Oh this God, is effing great. He can't get back in. This is effing great. He can't get back in. This is effing great. That's so all I kept saying. This is effing great. This is effing great. He can't get back in. I love it. He can't get back in. And he's laughing. And he's saying, this is effing great. And he's saying this. And, and I'm like, no, this isn't great, man. So I was able to, whatever way I reached under the door, the, there was enough of a gap. And I pulled it open from, from the bottom of the door. Wow. So now the show's done. And I meet him and there's a party across the street at Gallagher's Steakhouse and there's Pesci in the corner. I walk over and I sit next to him and I go, what do you think of the show, Joey? He goes, oh, it's an effing hit, Bobby. It's an effing hit. <laughs> and I go, oh, man. He goes, you know, I invested in the show. You know, I invest in that show. Oh, it's an effing hit. It's an effing hit. So then fast forward, it was great meeting you. And, uh, fast forward to opening night. And opening night is the loudest applause, the longest standing ovation applause. The entire cast of The Sopranos is there. It was the biggest show at the time. Every Italian-American actor in the city and the world <laughs> is there that night. And it was electric, like I said. Now, we run off stage left. We're circling around the back. We're coming around to stage right. And boom, the brakes hit because it's Bob Gaudio stopping me and going, Robert De Niro's here and he wants to say hi. Oh, okay. And then Pesci is there too, right? So I go over and Gaudio takes me over to Mr. De Niro and he goes, uh, Bob, this is uh, Bobby Spencer. And I go, hey, Mr. De Niro. And he shakes me and he goes, hey, great job. Great show. Great show. And Pesci literally like a cartoon character pops up from behind De Niro's shoulder and goes, it's Bob Spencer. He played Nick Massey in the show. And De Niro's shaking my hand still and looks over his shoulder at Joey and goes, yeah, I know. And then Joey gets down. You know, and he comes around and he gives me a big hug and he whispers in my ear, you were effing great, Bobby, effing great. Oh, wow. And that was the last time I saw him. <laughs> wow, what a story. You know, Bobby, these are great. I mean, this is just one sample of the kind of story you're going to do in, in, in this intimate setting show. I mean, I think we want to hear the other ones too. So I can't wait to hear what, what those are going to sound like. So if people want to know like what you're doing, no more, you said the online concert, October 15, what, what's, where do they go to, to watch this? I want to watch this. Where do I go? What do I do? Uh, everybody needs to, yeah. Everybody needs to go to Shenandoah uh, university. Okay. And the website you just, there? Like literally go to Shenandoah university Okay. And it'll come up and it is the homecoming concert on October 15th. It is an oh. online virtual concert. Uh, and, and that's uh, open to anyone? Or do you have to everyone, visit? anyone can join. There's a Facebook page. It's anyone can join. Absolutely. Great. And what about, able to tune in. and what about other, are you on social media outside of your website? Um, yeah. Do you have, uh, are you on Instagram and Twitter and all those things? Where, where can people follow you if they want to follow you on, on Instagram? Do you have Insta? Absolutely. Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On Instagram, JR Spencer TMM. That's the okay. one on Instagram. Oh, and for the course, okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's me. And uh, let's see, Twitter. And of course, um, let me see, Facebook, obviously. Facebook, J. Just J. Robert you, Spencer. Right. Yeah, awesome. and the Midtown Men's there also. Yeah. Awesome. That, so Midtown Men is, is incorporated in those things so people can find out what your next project is, right? So yeah. we just want, I want to have people, you know, it's been so wonderful what you've been talking about. We've got to wrap up, but um, I've been hearing your, you know, it's so important for me as someone, I grew up loving pop music too and, and loving uh, the radio. And I think we're similar aged and, and I, um, 
I, it's so great to see an artist who embraces that part of their artistry and brings it to musical theater because that's what I love. I love when musicals take pop music. And I know a lot of critics poo-poo it. A lot of critics say, oh, jukebox musical. You know, I don't know why they use it. It's that, you know, Cole Porter was writing jukebox musicals. Mm. 30s uh, anything goes is a yeah. jukebox musical uh, oh. and, and uh, you know yeah and and so it upsets me when critics downplay and it's probably because like you i have a tremendous passion for pop music and music that's on the radio and i think when musical theater can make that sing what you know that's where the magic is and you're seeing it now you know jersey boys was the beginning of a lot of the pop you know then cindy lopper does a show on broadway then you know then um you know you've got um Bono. All shook up. My wife was in the show All Shook Up, which was all Elvis music and some yeah, of the greatest arrangements that. in that show. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Audiences want that kind of show. So thank you so much for all your work and putting all that uh, effort into those shows and all the music that you're doing now. So it's been thank wonderful you. talking to you and I can't wait for people to go to your, to your website and find out more and to hear your online concert October 15th and all the other things that you're doing coming up. Well, thanks so much for letting me have the platform to talk about me. <laughs> well, thanks for being on American Theater Artists Online. Uh, thanks my pleasure. so much, Bobby. Have a great rest really, of the evening. Really appreciate it. Thanks Thank a you. lot. Good night, bud. Bye. I don't want to blow the microphone. This is called Let Amber in Nashville Call. I'm growing tired of this empty house and blue days of hand. Do you ever plan on coming home? Cause I've been thinking about the promises that I never kept and how I scared you all. Please God, let Amber and Nashville call. I could hear when you were crying almost every night, but I just turned my head. I could hear what you were saying, but I just didn't listen. Now you're gone and I understand. All the times I took for granted, all the times I take them back, you could hear my thoughts. Please, God, let Amber and Nashville call. I couldn't find the words to say it. Couldn't find the words to share. Couldn't find the simple reasons. Now you've gone off to somewhere. Couldn't find my heart's acceptance. Now you're up and moving on. And I don't blame you. I know I've done you wrong. I've been listening to my messages, but you ain't leaving none. Don't you care at all? Please, God, let Amber and Nashville call. Please, God. Let Amber and Nashville call. Yay! Bravo! Thanks, man.